Hello, I'm Chris Hudson and welcome to FIC's Freight and Commodities Podcast on Wednesday the 16th of March. On this week's podcast, we look at the aftermath of the amazingly volatile week we reported on on the last podcast. And we're going to be looking into freight, oil, carbon and iron ore markets. As the conflict in Ukraine continues to escalate, we have seen increased moves by Western governments to inflict economic pain on Russia and isolate themselves from Russian commodity supplies. The US ban, UK announcement of phase-out by the end of 2022, and the European plan to divest itself away from Russian oil and gas by 2030 has put the world on a new trajectory with respect to oil markets. Aside from that, there's been an increasing number of sanctions on Russian individuals with links to the Kremlin. Europe and America may have enjoyed the billions pumped into their cities by these kinds of people since the fall of the Berlin Wall, but now it is proving painful to pull out now that such arrangements are unsavoury. And on that side, we will be holding on Thursday, the 17th of March, a Ukraine charity day. All commissions from the day being donated to humanitarian aid for the region. But what have we seen week on week with respect to closed prices, though? On the freight side, a little bit of a mixed bag. We've been up on the Cape Size 5TC, Tuesday 8th versus Tuesday the 15th of March. Uh, was 15,729, now 23,413 yesterday. Panamax did fall week on week slightly. 26,000 was, now 25,176. Supermax is 10TC was up slightly, 30,062 to 31,913. On the iron ore, that has now slid off. Was 162.25, now 135.55. Crude has come off that highs. Was 132.26, now just edging above $100 uh, a barrel on the Brent. Well, I think that now has dropped below. On the Sing.5, of course, that has also come off with respect to its uh, tying nature to the Brent price. Uh, that is now 734.75, Sing.5, the very low sulfur fuel oil. On the tankers, uh, down on T3C, moving to 41.73. TC2, that's now 181.39, down about seven points. And TC5 is the mover up very slightly, 201.79, having been 199.29. Uh, the steel continues to fly up, 1102. It was now 1363, moving significantly up there. And on the EUAs, that was 68 euros, 51. This is the compulsory European market. Uh, and now 77.43, so a recovery after that collapse last week. First this week, after the success of the launch of the Container Futures contract in Long Beach, California on the 28th of February and subsequent first trade, our CEO John B is back from his jet setting to talk about this exciting new market. Nice to have you on the podcast again, John. Yes, thank you. Good morning. Cool. So containers, really exciting new market. Tell us a bit uh, more. I'd rather be in Long Beach than London, but anyway. Um, Yeah, um, very exciting. Um, I know there's been a lot of volatility in many markets, but... um, I just want to say a couple of things about the growth and potential of container derivatives. Um, as you know, we focus on three things to make something successful. We call it the three Vs. So I'll just quickly explain why containers you know, ticks all boxes. Number one, uh, volume. So is there a sufficient volume in the market for a container derivative? Yes, um, there's 5,700 vessels in the total fleet. Uh, There is um, around 220 million 40-foot containers, which are shipped around the world. Um, It's a huge industry. We have a lot of ships being built post-23-24. I think it's around 9% of the fleet. So there is a lot of activity in that space. A lot of ship owners ordered ships last year with a boom. And, uh, yeah, so that's number one. Uh, Number two, uh, which is what we really focus on, 
volatility volatility so obviously um whilst a lot of markets have been very volatile probably containers has probably been the most volatile so uh last year we had uh the problem in the Suez canal we had the closure of two ports in china um we had over 100 vessels in a queue in long beach uh los angeles which i think today is around 66 so still a lot um that push rates uh, up to sort of twenty thousand dollars a day from three thousand dollars a day so huge increase um the charter rate for a vessel went from ten thousand dollars a year uh, or day to sort of hundred to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a day so everyone has been um, caught out you know particularly the charters and if you listen to any news reports or uh media broadcast you know people talk about commodity increases they usually talk about inflation oil and then they'll say shipping rates shipping rates what does that mean shipping rates well it means a lot of things but a lot of them referring to container rates and obviously that is um important so the third obviously is value does the market want this product are they going to use these instruments going forward um and i think they are the time is right um as i said all the big charters have missed the market. They want to know how to cover four positions. We have a lot of companies ourselves, whether they do base metals, coffee, cocoa, who shipping containers, who know how to use FFAs. So they want to know how to hedge their position. And it's an alternative really to what the physical market offers, giving you know forward prices. Um, in terms of what's in store for this year, um, the bottlenecks are still there. Um, Freight rates are going to be very volatile this year uh, and next year. We have high disruptions in places like China. We've got the Russian sanctions. We've got carbon coming in. So I think this is the time really to take containers on board. Next this week, we go to the dry freight markets and Kerry Deal, our head of business development. Kerry, what have we seen this week in those markets? Well, we saw the Cape surging very sharply last week, um, nearly $8,000 week on week to Tuesday. That's on the back of strong iron ore and coal demand, as well as continued high fuel costs uh, driving those voyage rates. On iron ore, we saw strong shipments out of Australia last week, coupled with improved volumes coming out of South Africa. In the Pacific, that key C5 iron ore route, West Australia to China, lifted $1 over the course of the week on the voyage rates from $11.50 for late March lake ends. Um, earlier last week uh, up to uh, rates in the region of 1235 or even higher we were hearing early this week. Uh, the Tuberata Qingdao with iron ore route, that's the C3, saw higher rates of 30.5 being fixed for mid-April, although activity out of Brazil was thin due to poor weather, which affected logistics and transport there, and owners in some cases still reluctant to ballast due to those high bunker prices. There was also a surge in rates for iron ore out of Saldana Bay, that's South Africa, to China, which moved up from 17 bucks last week to $22 earlier this week. The big swing factor, though, has probably been strong European coal demand. That's seen rates from East Coast Australia to the continent heard at $36 for early April loading dates. Um, expensive bunkers have led to some degree of slow steaming as well, which should help rates a bit overall. On paper, the market actually saw a correction, though, from Thursday afternoon, especially on the May contract and to some degree on the deferred, which was a product of the sharp drops on the Panamax paper, and perhaps a bit of profit-taking after all the steep rises recently. Uh, The steep fall in the Brent crude in the past few days has removed some of the sentimental upward pressure as well. 
Uh, and while it will take bunker prices a little bit of time to adjust to that, um, <clears throat> it's certainly it's certainly helping to deflate some of that upwards pressure. Uh, we saw a slight bounce back this morning as uh, April 5 TC is trading at 27,750 on FIS Live. Still down about $3,000 on the week from the highs of last Wednesday, though. Q3 is 35000 at the moment on FIS Live. That's about 2000 off last Wednesday's levels. Panamax is on the physical, mainly expanded and consolidated their gains last week, uh, supported by healthy coal and grain shipments, especially with brighter grains outlook uh, as the harvest is picking up out of South America. In addition, after the big jump the previous week, coal shipments to Northwest Europe were up 3% week on week to 2.4 million tons, which was mostly supplied by Australia as a replacement for Russia. Indonesian coal jumped 12.7% last week to a record high of just over 10 million tons, according to IH market, IHS market commodities at sea service data. Again, this coal replacement is the big factor here in driving ton mileage, and we should see that expand with the Germans this morning announcing they are taking a bunch of their coal-fired power plants out of mothballs. That sentiment didn't carry over to the paper, though, where a steep correction took place, partially in response to the excess rises recently, partially, I think, as people processed implications for later this year in the grain harvests um, out of the Black Sea. May 4TC back up a little bit this AM at 27,250 on FAS Live. That's still down $4,000 from last Wednesday. Q3 at 25,500. That's down over $3,000 since last Wednesday. After record prices driven by concerns of bans of and voluntary divestment away from Russian oil, things have cooled off a bit in the oil markets as worries about supply problems calm. Things may be less panic station, but that doesn't mean there isn't still lots of movement going on, as Sam Twyford told me. Sam, what have we seen the last week in these oil markets? Well, Chris, the oil markets have been a tale of two halves, quite literally, as the bull run ended abruptly once hitting the dizzy heights of 130 plus over the start of March. Uh, crude oil prices were jittery again with corrections after a recent rally, as Russian and Ukrainian delegations met to the negotiation table to discuss a ceasefire agreement. However, the crude market is still not out of the woods yet, as trade sanctions for Russia were still ramping up and giving international pressure to resist energy, Russian energy exports due to its invasion on Ukraine. According to IHS market commodities at sea, there was still around 66 million barrels of Russian crude on the water, up 18% year on year for the week ended 11th of March. The high volume may not be to do with the ramp up in Russian crude productions, but simply countries refusing to procure Russian energy products and unwilling to allow Russian vessels to unload in their ports. In the meantime, Chinese oil demand seems to experience a slowdown as Chinese crude imports fell 13% year on year for the week ended 11th of March also. The slowing oil demand followed the country's lowest official target for economy growth um, over three decades with GDP growth uh, for 2020 around 5.5%. As China tackled surging COVID cases that led to the lockdown of the Chinese Silicon Valley, um, a city with 13 million people, due to the zero tolerance approach in handling the pandemic. As we look at the fuel market, the 0.5% crack market has been as volatile as Brent in the recent weeks. Um, upward moving Brent has meant the crack has been trading um, up to $26 as of yesterday, then tumbling below 17, uh, below 17 as the market struggled for bids um, in the IS futures market. The Singapore high fire spread eased toward 200 metric dollars after much volatility on crude, um, with VLSFO Singapore sliding towards the $900 per tonne mark following the crude price corrections. 
Further price corrections were expected in the near term to correlate with the downward trend of crude uh, through supply tightness persisting in the bunker market. Market concerns grew over limited high sulfur uh, fuel oil as bunkering firms avoided dealings with Russian fuel oil exports, which contributed m- to most of the high sulfur fuel oil supplies in the Ara region and Istanbul ports. Meanwhile, the FOGO spreads have been slated um, over the last over the medium term through though some anomalies may occur in view of the extension of the Russia-Ukraine conflict, um, as with most of the products at present, and its effect on Russian crude demand. OPEC also seemed unlikely to increase their oil outputs um, to ease high prices and seemed to be sitting on the sidelines um, on that front. And uh, so it's it's really a telltale sign of uh, what's, what's to come. I think there's a lot of volatility still to come. And depending on how uh, the Russia-Ukraine talks go, we uh, I think we're in for a, a rocky ride. After the fall in carbon markets the week before, mainly off the back of people closing positions to cover margining elsewhere and an exodus of Russian money, which sent the market moving completely against where fundamentals are pointing, we may have had a quieter week, but there's still plenty going on, uh, as our carbon emissions broker, Kieran Battery, told me. Kieran, this week, a little quieter, but what else have we been seeing in this market? Yeah, thanks, Chris. So, yeah, as you say, it's, it's been a fairly impressive few weeks for the EU compliance markets in terms of a price recovery. So uh, following the fallout of uh, Russia's invasion into Ukraine, as most commodity and energy markets saw record highs were going through, going through the roof, uh, EUA has actually suffered a violent downturn. Uh, this was initially surprising for most as the decorrelation and decoupling from wider energy markets. Um, EUAs have obviously logically been correlated to heavy fossil fuel energy, specifically coal, natural gas, so on and so forth. You know, if the use and prices of these markets are increasing, and the need to purchase these EUAs usually increases in tandem. But what we actually saw in emissions markets after the Ukraine was completely different to this this whole school of thoughts. Um, as you say, you know, margin calls in other markets, suspected selling by Russian investors, um, and just a general risk off macro environment away from you know climate policy towards more of a focus on protecting EU and wider energy supplies likely caused the sell-off. But anyway, what has been impressive over the past few years has obviously been the price recovering. Um, From their lowest assessment point just over a week ago on the 7th of March, it was 58 euros. Um, The contract regained nearly 20 euros yesterday, um, settling at 77 um, euros. Um, You know, that's up 32% in just, just over a week, which is quite incredible. Uh, the 80 euro threshold as well has, has been breached um, this week, uh, seen a couple of intraday highs. Um, that price has only been seen you know, since December 2021, so the recovery is, is quite impressive. Um, I'm not sure many positives could be taken away from, from what's going on at the moment with the geopolitical situation, but one arguably would be the shift and shake up to energy policy. Um, the EU's reliance on Russian and oil and gas imports has obviously been well documented lately. Um, and a knock-on effect from this dependence could arguably be a shift towards cleaner energy supplies and greater re- energy independence for, for most of the EU bloc nations. So hydrogen, wind, solar, they've all been touted to feature heavily in the energy mix for most nations going forward. Um, on a voluntary carbon side, again, a risk of environment would suggest that entities aren't voluntarily trading to manage their emissions risk and are instead prioritising other factors, um, like we just mentioned there. But uh, spread trade strategies on the NGO CME futures contract for the Deck 22, Deck 23 um, has been popular lately. 
Uh, outside of this, probably the most notable news has been the launch of the CGO contract, which builds off the su success of the uh, GEO CME Futures contract. Um, this just tracks projects across like renewables, energies, um, and other technology-based offsets from the Vera registry. And finally this week, let's hear from Halpe, our analyst from our Shanghai office, and what's been going on in the iron ore market the last week. As we expected last week, iron ore plat 62 dropped almost 11%, and we still maintain a neutral bearish outlook on the iron ore market over the next week. Iron ore port stocks decreased by 3.2 million tons to 157 million tons last week from the high of the year. However, the port stocks are not expected to go anywhere below 120 million tons during the first half of 2022 because the strategic build-up uh, go on iron ore inventories. And also, on futures market traders realized the SGX and DC difference was continually growing to uh, an extreme level, an extreme high level, historically, to $45 last week. This level was even similar to uh, the level one iron ore was, uh, was above $200. Then the market started to arbitrage on this opportunity and finally drive the SGX DC difference closer to $37 and we also we are still expecting a much narrower uh, to this difference since otherwise physical buyers are not going to buy any cargos from the seaborne market uh, which is the current situation since the PBF and human fines are much expensive on the seaborne plus they have a potential delay on the lakens however if mills buying on ports, they have much options and uh, strategy combination of different iron ore constituents and brands. So they have a lot of choices. And for most of the mills, they started to look into uh, heavily discounted iron ores, including SP10 and uh, FMG SSF since they have a better uh, cost effective compared to the mainstream uh, virtual steel margin remain unchanged at 681 uh, 89 yuan per ton from last week however corrected more than 30 percent from the high in january on the outright side iron ore in general is giving back the gains linked with crude oil which almost correct 30 percent from the high of the last week. The delayed demand market in China, which is less than expected in particular for steels, when China enters a seasonal warm season, the, the steel consumption didn't catch up with the previous expectation, which is much lower than the year two, uh, 20, uh, 2020 and 2021. As well, uh, the unexpected uh, pandemic also delayed the demand market in China in the next few weeks potentially. And on the pallet side, the shortage on pallets started to ease since Ukraine indicated supply on Europe was not impacted although major pallets miners utilization rate dropped from 80 to 50 significantly 
The Ukraine pellets export to China, however, was almost disrupted. Chinese buyers indicated that they could use some domestic pellets as substitutes, and on the other side, pellet usage is starting to diminish at the pollution restriction China released. MB65 versus Plat62 spread difference maintained at 30% uh, at $30 level. The spread is expected to maintain or slight widen as Plat62 as related uh, concentrates demand is diminishing globally. However, and, uh, however, MB62 65 related uh, high grade concentrates are uh, have some of the supply issues. That's it for this week in the freight and commodity markets. Thank you to all my guests this week. If you want to stay up to date with everything going on, then do sign up to our app, FIS Live, or follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Join us again next week for more analysis and insight, and have a great end to your week.